Welcome to Fried, the Burnout Podcast, Season 5. The goal of each Fried episode, whether you're an entrepreneur, parent, employee, or otherwise defined, is to create moments of spontaneous healing by ensuring that you feel seen, heard, connected to others, and validated. By doing this, Fried fulfills its mission to kill the shame, blame, and judgment associated with burning out, and Fried adds to its original goal of creating a movement to hashtag end burnout culture. Should you need a coach, Fried coaches are standing by to help guide you through recovery. Book a call anytime by visiting the links in the show notes. Should you need a speaker, you can hire me, Kate, and you can rest assured that your people will have fun and learn about burnout at the same time. In the meantime, I'm ready to give you this week's episode, which will help you heal just a little bit more, starting now. Hello, Fried fans. This is going to be a really great conversation that you get to listen to today because the person that I am sharing space with at the moment is kind of been through it all and has lived to tell the tale and is now living a life that is so aligned with her values that it inspires people literally every single day. It's so fun to watch. So Meryl Kriegsman is the CEO and founder of a company dedicated to helping you create wealth on your terms through entrepreneurship. How? By showing you how to sell out your premium offers and flagship programs whenever you want at whatever price point you desire. Meryl has been featured in Forbes, Fast Company, ABC News, Entrepreneur, etc. You can spot her in the wild reading erotic novels or playing with her kids on her organic farm wearing a 1920s lace dress and rubber boots. Are they wellies? Are the rubber boots wellies? No, they're not. They're just like straight from whatever big farming stores we have. After supply store. It's like, they're super boring. They're like, you know, sort of like hunter, hunter green. Um, Yeah. I love it. They're perfect. Yes. I love it. I love it. I'm so excited to talk to you mostly because I've been in your Facebook group for, I don't even know how long, at least a year, if not longer. And you're pretty open about your stories. Mm-hmm. And so when you said, hey, listen, maybe I'd be a good podcast guest. I was like, actually, you'd be a great podcast guest. So Thanks. let's have this conversation. Let's really yeah. open this up. And if there's a place you don't want to go, please let me know. But I kind of feel like. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. To all the places. <laughs> let's go all the places. So I'm going to step back and leave you the platform to tell a burnout story from your life. And then we'll use that and, and see where this takes us. I have a very deep faith in the power of this space. Yeah to provide people with what they need to hear without a lot of planning. So we just, Mm -hmm. we just wait and see what comes up. Yeah. So my burnout story, and I remember sending you some voice notes about this as well, right? Like I was never officially diagnosed or, or even self-labeled as like, I have a burnout, like it's happening. We're there. (laughs) It was more, uh, for me, what happens is that my, my mental health gets really wobbly. It's, it's sort of like my, my body never, like it, it always just like functions exactly the way that I want to, but my, my mental health, like really, really suffers. Um, so what happened was that I started out as an opera singer back in the day. We were just talking about all the bachelors and all the masters and all the studying. And I have a bachelor's in vocal performance, which is like and the most useful. You are um, the no, second really. person on the podcast to who used to be a professional opera singer. 
That is so fun. You have to send me to the, the other one. Yes. Maybe. Yes. She's her name is Eliza Collins and we call her the burnout witch. Oh, nice. I definitely need to check that out. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, very creative background, right. And, and that's to this day, very much a part of what my business is when I feel good. And when I, when I don't feel good and I do feel burnout, I feel that lack of creativity. So opera singer background, I started out my business, my online business as a conversion copywriter. So I definitely did a few years where I had really shitty boundaries and didn't know how to like set clear expectations with my clients. Then of course the, the copy I was writing was like my art so I was like, of course, I'm going to spend an extra three hours like chiseling away at this, you know, whatever website or mm-hmm. right. Um, and that was right when also I had my first two babies and I stepped into sole financial providership for a family, like quite un- unexpectedly. So I gave a ton during those years. And then I transitioned from conversion copywriter to business mentorship because that's really what I was doing with my clients anyway. So I was like, let's get paid for the thing I actually do, you know, like, yes, I can help you make all the money. Let's do it. Um, but then because our clients got such phenomenal results, right. And it was just like this, this flocking of more and more people sort of that word of mouth, um, right on steroids, um, right. We have really good testimonials. You put one out there and you, right. You get a whole bunch of sales calls and I was doing my own sales calls and right. So it got to a point where, uh, the, the, the growth of the company was sort of like catching up with me a mm. little bit, um, and, and I'm, I'm very much a perfectionist. So, you know, I, I wasn't gonna have the, the, the actual experience inside of my programs uh, suffer. Uh, and then, um, I got pregnant another time and during that postpartum period, and that also really coincided with, um, um, realizing, right. The extent of my unearned privilege and my role in this space as a white woman was like, Whoa, Okay. There's some things I really didn't know about myself. What the fuck don't I know about myself on top of this sort of like moment? <laughs> like if I, if this was this much of a blind spot, then what are the other ones, right? So it really sort of made the made the the the, the ground fall from from underneath me. I mean that was really good. I think you know it was it was like the the, the oh, hindsight, yeah, shake up sh- like that that I needed. But then um, there were some some other things that that happened that really like shook me up, and it was became sort of like this perfect storm of right postpartum um, um, sort of mental health fragility, plus sort of questioning everything about myself and my business, and and, and it just like created this perfect storm where I. I stopped sleeping, <laughs> which is not like, don't recommend, you know, what I, I like the, the amount of times, right. You get woken up, uh, when you have a baby, um, I have never done well, uh, with sleeping with a baby in my bed. I just, I'm, I'm like this, this wakeful sort of mother animal where it's just like, just yeah. sit in my bed and, and sort of wake, wake over my child all awake. Right. Yeah. So there was, there was that. And then sort of the, the, the questioning and everything started to keep me up at night. So it, it struggled to fall asleep. And then I would wake up and I would have like these paranoid dreams. And then I would wake, wake up way too early in the morning and, and be interrupted multiple times at night. So some nights I had like three and a half hours of sleep and, you know, you do that for a few months and 
the world starts to look a little bleak, right? So that's where um, at some point, and, and I, it has been a lifelong thing. I also have um, a past with a food disorder, uh, which I overcame really, really well with the right support in my teens. But there's definitely like um, called a self-harm tendency. It's almost like when my creative force can't properly flow out, it almost like turns against myself mm. sort of feeling. So I, I started struggling with, with passive suicidal ideation, basically. And to this day, like when I'm really off and I'm really tired, I'm like, those knives look really... <laughs> hand washing in the kitchen because our dishwasher broke in the the third week of the pandemic and we haven't been able to replace it you know it's like oh shit oh but you know I'm doing a lot of dishes right like at the end of the day and it's sort of like I'm 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 seeing the knives the knives are looking at me right sort of moment where I think it's just like a craving for peace yeah (sighs) right all the responsibilities as like a mom and a business owner and the leader for my team and um, for your clients. Yeah. Yeah. Clients. I, I, I don't even mention them in this list because I love working with my clients. It feels so fun to me. It still like, takes up mental space. It still, yeah, it does. It does still take up mental space. Um, but also right. Like the, I don't know if ever anyone has talked about this on your podcast, but sort of this dual expectation of like full transparency right, yeah. from, from the community but also perfection, like perfection at the same time, where it's like, we want you, we want you to be authentic, but we also need you to don't want you to mess up. (laughs) So like, ah, right. Especially when you're sort of like new in this, in this whole, especially when I think of myself, like two years back, I was really like, I was ferociously reading about anti-racism and stuff like that. And just going like, I'm going to fuck up. Like, I'm going to say the wrong thing. And then I did. And then I just, you know, went from there. But like before I actually started just like engaging with people and having conversations and just openly learning, like I was really like, oh my God, I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm going to post something. (laughs) Right. So that's, that's the story. That's the story. Yeah. I want to, I want to go back to this idea of craving peace. Yeah. Because we said that and sort of like skated through it. And I think that, you know, on the podcast, we've spoken quite a bit with a lot of different people about how when you're burnt out, passive suicidal ideation is really common. This idea that like, I would just like to, I don't necessarily want to die and I'm not going to plan to kill myself. But if I could just not be here for a while, that would be like, great. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a lot of people that have spoken about, you know, driving down the street and being called to drive into a tree just so that they could end up in a hospital for a little while or people that (laughs) were like waiting to get COVID so that they had an excuse to sit down. And this craving for peace seems to, in most of these cases, mean a breakaway from my day-to-day life. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think too, you know, like a breaking away from the relentlessness of it, Mm. right? There was just, especially, and I'm sure like this podcast has just grown in relevancy since, since the pandemic started. Um, But, you know, like my, the way that my life looks right now is that I wake up in the morning and it's usually early because our middle one wakes me up and says, mom, can you play corpse bright with me? (laughs) (laughs) 
your corpse mother and the downstairs is the underworld and upstairs is the land of the living. Like, let's go. Right. So that's happening. And then, you know, definitely like a year ago where I was still full blown, like nursing and stuff like that. So I would like start pouring out, like literally like my life force uh, before even like six o'clock in the morning, you know, and then we would like make breakfast and my husband does a lot of that actually. So, I mean, I, I don't have it that bad. <laughs> Um, so we have some, some agreements around that since I'm the, the front facing sort of person in our company. Um, but, you know, getting kids ready for school and then setting them up with, with zoom learning and then, uh, getting on calls all day and, and, and working. And there's always more to do when you run your own business. Um, and then right dinner and then going to feed the, the, the 15 barn cats that we have and, <laughs> Right. It's just uh, one, one thing after another and then bedtime. Oh my God. I fucking hate bedtime. <laughs> Could I just There's about 400 mothers right now that just went, Oh, me too. Oh my God. It's like, I love my kids and I love snuggling with them, but that in between space between dinner, when I just want to plop my ass down on the couch and just watch something for me. <laughs> <laughs> that I like to watch, you know, or read a book and not be disturbed like every single second, right? Like, like it's just, it's, it's, it is relentless. And then, um, right. Like the toothbrushing and the PJs and my, my kids just want to, don't want to wear stuff. And then they want to wear the dress that's in the, in the, you know, in the, in the hamper. And it's, it's just like, right. All the drama. And then they start crying because they're tired. It's like the witching hour, right. They call it. Um, yeah. And then by the time the kids are in bed, sometimes it's like nine o'clock, like, you know, and I've taken some courses on how to get kids to sleep on time, but also it doesn't quite always work out. Right. And then like right now we're actually, um, um, in a, in a business transition, we're doing some really, really exciting new things, but that also means that right now, sometimes I take my computer and I work for another hour, right. Which usually I don't really do anymore. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah. And right. And the next day it starts all over again. And then sort of seven months out of the year we're snowed in because we're in on the Canadian prairies. <laughs> right. And, and because of the pandemic, we don't go anywhere. So, right. It's, it's the, um, I have really had to learn how to build in. Um, I mean, like if I'm really honest, the last 12 months were sabbatical for me. Yeah. Right. I, I, I work. What does that mean for you? What that means for me is that like what it can mean for me, you know, like I took what I could get. Um, I, I didn't, uh, cause it doesn't work for me to go away with the kids being this small and stuff like that. And during a pandemic and there's just like, no, you're just parenting problem. somewhere else. It's yeah, exactly. Somewhere right. might else. Well, like might as well stay here and like not go through and have all your creature comforts and have your systems and have your, yeah, exactly have access to the dress, even if it's in the hamper. Yeah, exactly. The green dress. It's not a green dress. It's like a pink dress with blue flowers, but it's called the green dress. Just, you know, FYI. Um, but you know, what I started to do is, um, just take long stretches of time during the day to lay myself down and to actually teach myself how to fall asleep again. Right. At one point, one of my mentors said like, you, you probably don't even know how to fall asleep again. Now, like, am I right? Like, are you sort of like going there and then, 
right? Like, uh, right? Like going we call this tired, but wired in the burnout world. Oh my God. It's like, it's real. Oh my mm-hmm. God. It's so, mm-hmm. it's so torturous because you're really tired and, and it's hormonal. Yeah, I bet. Like, right. And there's, yeah. And, and there's, yeah. there's a, a neurochemical component to it that, that really fucks with you. <laughs> Just yeah, really fucks with you. It. Yeah. No, I felt thoroughly fucked with and not in a good way. <laughs> um, so, you know, what, what I was doing is basically teaching myself how to get to that place where I'm really, really sleepy. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and so I asked, I asked this mentor, I was like, should I don't like aim to fall asleep? It's just like, no, even if you don't fall asleep, it's like, thank God, like take the pressure off. Right. It was like this, this, right. As a perfectionist, it was like, no, I can't, I can't even fall asleep anymore. You know, like, ah, fuck me. Um, so <laughs> I just decided to lay my ass down on the bed. Right. Practice. And, and practice basically. Yeah. And, um, and what I also decided is that the, the, the opposite of whatever that neuro- neurochemical, whatever yeah. f- stuff cocktail is that the opposite of that was released in my brain when I started reading romantic erotic fiction. <laughs> hey, whatever works, whatever works. Hey, I'm and it's actually I'm true pragmatic to, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like, of, of course, the activating the pleasure portion of your uh, the, it's called the reward pathways, right? So activating the reward pathways of your brain is going to alternate what's happening yeah. on a neurological level. Like if, yeah. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. It's one of the things that I talk about a lot on the podcast that people say, well, how do you rest? I read chiclet. It doesn't have to be erotica yeah. for me, but I read chiclet. Like I'll read literally a book a day and me I too. do it especially- yeah. Right. When I'm in a place where I know that I have some creative work that needs to happen, but it hasn't really figured itself out yet. I know. Yeah. And I need to get my brain out of the way so that my the back of my brain can like do its thing. Yes. I read beach books yes. for days, for days, to, for days without stopping. And, <gasps> and I used to really judge myself for this. Like, why can't you get your shit together? Why can't you just sit down in front of the computer and get your stuff done? But I've come to recognize that as part of my success strategy. Like Same. when I allow yes. myself to do it, I am more creative. The things that I produce are better and everything works better if I just let myself. And it always, always takes fucking longer than I expect. Yeah. Or then you wish you would. It would yeah. right? Yes. It's like, yes. Like start to feel a little bit like an unhealthy yeah. addiction at this point, yes. but also... I know from past experience that if I, I got to do out, this. I'm going to create my best work. Right. So, yes. um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to share with you that I've read a book a day for over a year now <laughs> yeah. and, um, and I'm, I'm still making multiple six figure months and yeah. <laughs> like we're doing just fine. Right. It's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. People are like, wait, how do you do that? And, and I, yes, I do speed rate to some extent. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. Um, and it's my husband's it, like, do you even remember what you read? I'm like, doesn't that's not the fucking point. That's, that's like, why do you that's even care? Like, totally not- <laughs> irrelevant. I'm just creating space for my brain. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm just reading another, 
you know, Bratva, like whatever, right? Got abducted <laughs> romance. Like they start to blend together a little bit. Yeah, it's this, all the same story but, at the end um, of the day. <laughs> right. It's like you always have, it's so, so funny, right? How you have your go-to things, yeah. right? Especially yeah. when it comes to erotic um, and romantic fiction. So I love, I love an age gap story. Yeah. 27 year age gap between myself and my husband. Yeah. So I'm just like typing an age gap and I've probably read like every good book in that category. And now, <laughs> and now like, you're going through the- <laughs> like, I mean, I'm like at the stage where I'm like, oh my God, do I really want to read more of this author? Not really, but also this what is what's available. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you, if anyone is listening to this and you're like, um, well, Meryl, I have a certain fetish. Can you hook me up? I'm like, yeah, I can. Yeah. I know I exactly where to send you. <laughs> yeah, it's like I will be able to send you three book titles at least. Um, yeah, you know, so, I mean, that has worked wonders. Yeah. And yeah. here's the thing, though. Like, I honestly feel I go through these seven-year cycles where there is mm. sort of, I just need to go into my shell mm-hmm. and mass consume what probably would be described by most people uh, as, as smut, fresh and smut and <laughs> whatever. Right. And then I come out and I mean, in the last seven year cycle, I put three children on this earth and yeah. I built a multi-million dollar business from scratch. Right. Yeah. And, and changed yeah. literally thousands of lives and moved to a different continent and, and, and yeah. right. So yeah. Uh, when, so when it started to, when I started to enter it, because the last phase that I was in was right before um, my firstborn was born. She just turned seven and it was all about the, the, the vampire diaries, which some people in my audience pointed out is the ultimate age gap fantasy. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, 400 years, oh 400 year difference. Now, now we're going like, now- <laughs> right. So I was, I was watching old, like, I just couldn't, I couldn't stop. I was like, yeah. like, like the- <laughs> last night, my husband was like, are you reading about witches again? And I was like, yes. Yeah, I am. Like, my uh, my I husband am. has, I have also been told that if we were ever to make a movie of our lives, the person that should play my husband is Alexander Skarsgård, who <laughs> plays vampire in <laughs> True Blood. And, and I'm like, I could, I could totally get on board with that. Yeah, he's cool. Yeah. His dad is I, too. Yeah. yeah, right. I could get on board with that. So did you hear what I just did? His dad is too. Oh, that's you went right to the chat. <laughs> so funny. Just caught it. myself. You know, so that was that was seven years ago. Yeah. And now it's reading books because obviously I cannot watch uh people tearing them like each other to shreds yeah. on a big screen because now I have three kids. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> to choose a slightly more private privacy yeah. um yeah. sort of, you know, kind of kind of thing. But also, right, this this time around, I I trust myself way more. Right. Right. I'm like, last time I went through this, I also, you know, thought about like what was wrong with me and if I were to ever come out of this and I did, and then I, then it's almost like I have so much like fuel to just like go, um, that, 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 yeah, it's like just how it functions, I guess, sort of like these big, big waves of productivity. And and what's really interesting about that is my, my initial degree is in Chinese medicine. Oh, interesting. Um, and I and I was yeah. an acupuncturist for yeah. 15 years. So in Chinese medicine, women do 
mature and shift in seven year cycles. So men, men are on eight year cycles, but women are on seven year cycles. Oh, my so goodness. you saying that is such a funny, like, yeah, I, I love when Chinese medicine, it comes to people naturally and they don't have this background knowledge, but it's something that they noticed anyway. It just makes everything seem more real to me. But that is the the typical number that is used to describe like how women shift over the course of their entire lives. It never yeah. changes. Like that doesn't shift. It's it's there's always going to be a change. You're always going to go through a growth period. There's always going to be a time yeah. to stop and look at your life and make a different decision. There's always going to be, it doesn't. And I think this is the part that this is part of that relentlessness, but it's also part of the solution to me because yeah. you're never stuck in any of it. Because it's yeah. even your body, every single cell in your body in seven years is going to be brand Absolutely new. changes. Right. Yeah. So yeah. <sighs> like there's so much space in that, I think, I feel. But I do want to go back yeah. to, to another yeah. thing that we sort of skated over a little bit earlier that I know I've, I've seen you work through in real time in your group. Mm-hmm. And something that I teach a lot about. So I, I want to sort of roll around in your head with it a little bit. But yeah. Let's get back to when you said I was a copywriter, I was a perfectionist, and I had no fucking boundaries. How how did you, in your personal world, go from I have no boundaries to I know how to set expectations, I know what my limitations are, I know what my resources are? Mm-hmm. Well, I did I did what every, every other good perfectionist will do, and I became an expert on boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't, don't call me out like that. <laughs> no, it's like, I literally, I, I have literally at this point written the book. I have a book called the red flag book, which is like literally anything that can break down a client relationship and, and how to respond in a way that's actually really empowering for both you and your client. Um, I'm, I'm, I just launched this thing last week, um, which by the time this will roll out, it will be over, but it, you know, it's a mini, mini program called exquisite boundaries, Right. So I, whenever, whenever I don't know something, I just study the shit out of it. Right. And, and so, so what I started doing is just observing my own nervous system, right. Like throughout uh, sort of these, these interactions that I would have with like clients or collaboration partners or people that I would admire, right. And hand over some power. And then that would cause like, right. And, and sort of just like observing myself, and, and understanding like, right. Or catching myself when something felt really like, oh, uh, ouch, or, or no, I don't want to, but Hey, I noticed myself feeling as if I have to say, yes, Hmm, that's interesting. Right. And then just constantly reverse engineering, constantly reverse engineer. What could I have said or done or put in place for them to know upfront that that is not okay. Right. So I was deeply dedicated to sort of plugging all of those holes. I was like a Swiss cheese, right. It's like full of holes. And then, and then I just started like plugging all of those holes until I, I've, I also as a bonus to this thing that I'm selling, it's like literally 25 expectation setting sentences, right? Because most of us, the problem is that we don't have the actual language to set set expectations well and to respond to when boundaries are being or or it feels like they're being violated right and and so for me i found myself so often in a place of this feels really bad 
but I don't know what to say, right? I'm going to lose the client or I'm going to lose the opportunity or, right? So first of all, I really chose to step into like an abundance mindset because also there's a whole thing around, right? Like, like based on your background, uh, this, this whole syndrome of, I only have one chance, right? Especially, right. If, if you are a woman and you're a woman of color and right, it's like the, the, the chances that you are, are sort of have this idea ingrained of, I only have one chance, right. Is it's, it's, it's there for, for many of us. Right. And, and like I said, based on your background, it might be worse or less worse or whatever, but, um, it's, it's there for, for most, uh, for most women. And, and what that means is that, right. First of all, we have to almost train ourselves to realize, especially as entrepreneurs, we actually get to create those opportunities and we actually get to, right. Open up the faucet on sort of client flow. That, that That's something that we can learn and that there's maybe, right. Always 20 plus, even more qualified people's people waiting in the wings to work with us, right. Sort of that whole piece of the puzzle. And then there is also the piece of the puzzle where you actually simply need to learn the language around, right. If it's a no, if it feels uh, like somebody is doing something inappropriate or that that is harmful to you, right. What do you say in the moment? Do you, have you actually practiced sort of, or have had enough practice to know what to say in those moments? I love this. So I just did a full um, research like a full study on boundaries and why, why we do or do not set them. Yeah. Um, and yeah. lit- it's literally 40% of people don't know no. what words to use at all. And 40% of people don't know what tone to use at all. And a lot of what you just described is like my biggest selling mini course is called the resentment journal. <sighs> so good. Right. And it's for, it's this exact moment where you're saying, Ooh, I shouldn't have said yes. Oh, what am I going to do next time? What am I, this is the, this is the whole purpose of it. Like I, and I don't care even if the emotion necessarily is resentment, but that nervous system discomfort that you feel when you feel forced to give someone an answer that you don't want to give them. That's the whole point, right? Noticing that is critical. It's critical because it always happens on the fly. Like I had another situation this week where I was talking to, right, as we're restructuring, one of my um, contractors said, can you, but can you please give me three months notice? And, and it was on the spot in a conversation. It's like, yes, of course. And then afterwards I was like, what the fuck? Right. It's like, shit. Um, Can I do that? Well, I guess now I have to, but also, right. I should have countered in that moment and said, can, can I, can I get back to you about that? Can, can I have some time to think? Yeah. Can I have some time to think? Right. So it's like, and, and I, 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 I bet you agree with me, right. It's ongoing. It never ends. It's never like constant gosh, figured out my boundaries. Like now I'm now safe for the rest of my life. Right. It's never like that. It's like, you will constantly have to. And also, right. While I was in, in whatever space I was in called the burnout, call it like whatever, yeah. um, my boundaries started to deteriorate. Of course. Right. I just you don't have the energy to hold them up. Yeah. Or like I just I I it, it's almost like I think it also impacted like my self-worth and my self-confidence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like without me noticing, all of a sudden I was like looking at some of my programs, going like, what what's included in this? Wait, what? 
right? Yeah. It's sort of like this, this, this coddling thingy yes. that started to slip in, especially when you work with more, more people and stuff, right? There's like even more sort of like dynamics going on, right? People bring in their, their own unique take on things. So, um, so we're actually going through process right now where we're really going to focus on helping our people step even more into like that self-leadership, right? Which not mm-hmm. saying that they don't have that, but it's like we can support them to step even more into that, right? Mm-hmm. And and so, um, yeah, very, very fascinating. But it was showing up everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Even um, at one point I was working with a consultant uh, around sales um, because I was in a process of trying to hand that over, pass that on, um, at this stage in, in my business. But first I had to sort of like do some things myself. Like I was part of the project and, and what I, like, she was teaching a lot sort of like around, like, you need to follow up. You need to, right. You need to nudge them. You need to redo this thing with them until I was like, you know what? I don't want (laughs) to, I really don't want to, I don't like that either. If you you can't self-activate as like, my clients, like I put awesome stuff out there. We have amazing, like free masterclasses and stuff. Like if you want to, if you want a taste of what, but like going back and forth and doing some coaching in the DMS, I was like, you know what? Like big, big fingers. Um, yeah. I like, no, it, it, yeah. it you know, that, and, and it was awesome because last week I got this person who had done that with me a few times and she popped back in again with like, basically give me custom examples around what you just taught for my business. And I was like, you know what? I've actually decided not to do that anymore. Yeah. So here's the link to yeah. the program that you can buy. Yeah, you know? exactly. And this is, this goes back to, for me in my business, this goes back to the conversation about privilege. Yeah. So when I was creating my program, knowing that my one-on-one coaching is well out of reach for a lot of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I knew that I needed to, uh, you know, I, I didn't grow up with a lot of financial privilege, but I am a white woman in America and I, and yeah. I am an English speaking person and I am, you know, all of these things. Educated. So yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I have parents that are together and that still enjoy each other and a strong relationship with my sister. And I was very supported in my community, et cetera. You know, we, I could go on yeah. and on. Yeah. And yeah. so when I was looking at that and I was saying, okay, I know that I was in a, I was never in a position growing up and neither were my parents to afford the kind of services that I'm offering now, mm-hmm. Yeah, which means to me that I need to have some space where I can support people in a way that's not going to kill me, but that's going to leave my information available so that I still am gifting the world this knowledge, even if I'm not giving everybody one-on-one yeah. mm-hmm. attention. And that's, yeah that's the podcast and that's the Facebook group. And this is all, this is free and it's here for people. And I love doing yeah. it. Yeah. And my one-on-one prices are still my one-on-one prices because I yeah. don't want to hate you when you're my client. Well, that's the thing, right? And, and what's really fascinating to me um, in regards to boundaries specifically around yeah. right, like the client relationship is that that resentment is mm. mutual. Yes, yes. It's, so it's such a, like a, a mood that's very easy to jump from one person to the next. So you're sort of sitting there like, like, gosh, darn it. I'm over delivering like crazy. And the other person is sitting there going like, 
I'm not getting what I need, right? Mm -hmm. She promised me all these extras, but they're not as well executed as the thing I actually paid for. But, you know, I've just conveniently forgotten that those were the extras. So now I'm just like considering them part of the package, right? Like however that goes, I don't know exactly how it goes in people's heads, but that's how it goes. Um, So yeah, oh my gosh, I can talk forever about like also like the whole right? Like the undercharging over delivering sort of trap that so many people fall into. Right. And also quite honestly, I think for most people that starts with, um, gosh, I had this captured in like a really awesome sentence the other day, but it was like multiple part sentence or something along the lines of, um, right. We tend to undervalue or we tend to, yeah, undervalue our most valuable work, but our most valuable work no, like I like I knew I was gonna botch this, but I'll, I'll <laughs> like we'll put it in the show notes. But it's basically like this: this we tend to undervalue what is actually our most valuable work. If I were to yeah. just summarize it, right? And and yeah. and those are they just tend to be like huge blind spots for us, um, right? So we build we often build offers around the things that 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 are maybe in our zone of excellence, but not in our zone of genius, because we're not even seeing what's in that zone of genius because we take it for granted. Because it right? seems so simple. It seems so obvious. So simple. It's like, oh, but that's just like, that's I just, just do that suggestion, right? I just like, whatever, right. That comes out of nowhere. It's like, and that's why, right. You should charge a premium for it because that's, that's second nature to you. But, you know, just to, to speak to the accessibility piece, right. Of, yeah. of offers, because I think that's really important. And it comes up a lot because we, we have a lot of people in our community that, that care about those things. Thank goodness. Um, what I always say is that, right. You, you want to strike a balance between being like having your offers be accessible, but also make sure that you grow to a point where you can create free offers that are high quality, right? Because I, what, what I see most people do, unfortunately, is that they create all of these free and lower ticket things to be accessible, right? And that that's where a huge amount of their time and effort and, and whatever goes with right? their resources but because they're spread so thin, those are actually not high quality, well-built like communities and offers and stuff like that, right? So my advice is to always be extremely strategic about it. So for example, yeah. right now in our program, we have four or five people on full scholarship rides, Yeah. right? So, so well over like six figures, even multiple six figures worth of scholarships that we can uh, provide and and it's not just that they're getting access to the contents, but they're actually getting to access to me. They're getting access to the team. Blah 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 blah. But we can afford that because we run a really profitable business, right? Right. So it's also like making making sure that you keep the long term game in mind and sort of balance between what do I want to do right now that creates accessibility to my work versus what is going to make it accessible to way more people at a really high quality level, maybe a year or two down the line. Yeah. Right. So one of the things that we talk about when I, with in one-on-one work in boundaries is if you feel like your generosity is squeezed, your boundaries are in the wrong place. Yeah. Right. So if you don't feel like you can be as generous as you enjoy being, yes, your boundaries are in the wrong place. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you're probably undercharging, right? If you're a business owner. Yeah. Yes. Very Charge much enough to feel generous. 
Yeah. Charge enough to, yeah, that's, that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Charge enough to feel generous. Like this is, we talk about this on the podcast a lot, especially in the entrepreneurial season, because I, you can't, if that, like you said, when you have that emotion, when that resentment starts to come in and when you start to feel like you're giving people more than, than you're getting in return, when the money stops being exciting to you, yeah, something's off. It is. Yeah. I agree. Something's off. Like you should feel spoiled by how much you're getting paid and they should feel feel spoiled by how much they're getting. Yeah. And, and that should be like, everybody should feel like they're getting a better deal then. Yeah, exactly. Right. That they, they are the lucky ones in the relationship. Yes. Yes. And, and the thing though is, is that I always talk about this a lot, like also in master classes and things, right. We're just simply not discerning enough, generally speaking about who we work with, because there is a client out there who literally simply needs to have some touch points with you and their entire life will change. Yeah. I just started therapy with, um, with someone who, um, uh, Rachel Wright is her name. She's awesome. She's on, on Instagram as well. I've known her for years. And it's like, you're, you're mine. You're the one for me. Um, but literally we've had, because I do it together with my husband, which by the way, I'm very open about, like, I don't see that as like, there's something wrong with us. There's sort of like, no, there's some things that we would love for our relationship and for our, our life. And we're working on that. So yeah. Yay for publicly declaring therapy rocks. Um, <laughs> But we've had three sessions or so, and we have made some significant life changes, right? Because she is exactly what we need right yeah. now, yeah. right? And, and that's what you want with your clients. You want them to be absolutely poised for transformation because then you will make the most amount of money with what feels the, feels the least like work, yeah. Right. And, and that is, that feels extremely pleasurable and, and is the, the, the opposite, opposite of like the birth burnout uh, spectrum, right? It's like yeah. the, the ease and simplicity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I always sort of know uh, my, my program is only six calls. I, I don't, I don't yeah. actually want to use the word only my program is six calls and then a lot of Google doc in between. And I don't actually need it to be more than six calls. And people are always real surprised. Yeah. And the, when, when there are some people that are like, oh, I can get this done in six calls, like great. And other people are like, I only get six calls. No, and I'm like, so. yeah. And this is the difference. Like if, if that's how you feel about it, then this is not the right fit for you because I know that it, if you're ready and it's the right time, by the time we get to call six, we're basically just bullshitting and saying, good job. Like you're done. Yeah, See five. you next time. <laughs> yeah. Like this was, this was super fun. You're amazing. Yeah. Let, moving yeah. on, you know? And yeah. I think that this is such a shock to people. I mean, you're not done with your burnout recovery. You just don't need me to be a part of it anymore. Could yeah. I be selling people year long programs? A hundred percent. Yeah. Does that serve me and my clients best? Absolutely not. Yeah. Although I can't picture like a program where you just do like tweaks and boundaries sort of. Yes. Mastermind like, is mastermind yes. is in the plans. As soon as I, I finish say, school, I don't, don't want to spoil the thing you just said. <laughs> I got to see the opportunity there. <laughs> yes. I think an, a long-term mastermind is absolutely in the plans and it's something yeah. that needs to come out because people do need to, to be able to check in. Just to be able yeah. to, to, to check yeah. in and get a tweak and check in and get a tweak and keep them because I need to check in and get a tweak. 
<laughs> but also it's like, I'm, I'm going like, I, right now I have those people in my box, yeah. right? Like my private clients. It's yeah. like at that level, honestly, most yeah. of it is like this team member just messaged me and they asked me in a passive right. aggressive way, if I was okay. And it doesn't feel good. Like, what do I yeah. do? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah. um, what else comes up? Oh yeah. I have, you know, a, the right. I serve a lot of people who run um, a higher ticket group experience. Yeah. Right. So one of them pops into my Voxer and says like, I have this one client who posted in my group that they have decided that the, the core method that I teach my people isn't for them. And the <laughs> post is getting more and more comments. Like, what do I do? Right. And it's like, it's okay to pull the sucker down. It's like, you don't have to like take it lying down, you know, like it's, it's, but, but they're like, you know, what do I do? People are watching me. How's it going to come across? Right. Like, oh, it's like, they have so many questions. Well, and you don't want to be running a high level business without support. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it's just that simple. Like none of us are supposed to be doing this by ourselves. Now, every you think I, I was just going to use a sports person, but it doesn't like any major athlete that you can name in your head right now, whoever just popped into your head, they still have a coach. Yeah, they do. Actually, every single one, one, of their, them. one of their coaches is currently in my program transitioning <laughs> from being an athlete coach to right? something else. But it's but like, yeah, they, yeah. you don't get to a high level and stay at a high level without getting constant tweaks and constant support. I don't care if you've been doing yeah. it for 20 years, there's always got to be some sort of support. You think, I mean, there's football players out there and basketball players out there that have literally been doing this since they could walk. And they still yeah. have a coach say, Hey, watch your wrist you. next time. Yeah. Yeah. Watch your, your wrist. Watch your, your, yeah. Your, your, watch your, your pinky. pinky. <laughs> like these no, simple seriously. things. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if the other opera singer talked about this, but you know, the, the, the opera singer comes with like really high, like somatic awareness practices yeah. that you, yeah. right. Are, are in constantly also like breath and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and they would literally say things like, um, you know, slightly, slightly drop your jaw a little bit, like create a little bit more space here between your jaw and your ear. Yeah. Right. Or they would say like, this is a funny one. They, they would say like, are you, are you tensing up your, your vaginal muscles right now? Like, you know, yeah. I can hear it in the sound, right. It's like, like that level of detail and intimacy yeah. between you and your coaches. Right. But the higher like, level you get, the more, the tinier those adjustments are and the yeah. more specific they need to be. Yeah, exactly. And that's somebody asked me recently, like, you know, can because what kind of people do you work with? Like, are you and I'm like, I don't do preventing burnout. I take people oh. that are like deep in despair and need yeah. to get themselves out and are ready oh. to do it. Those are the people I work with because they've already done all the meditations and they've talked to all the people and they've read all the articles and they're still stuck. I go in there and I do the the mini tweaks that don't seem like they're gonna do anything. I'm telling and you then- to loosen up your veg. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's always a, a good idea. That's, a, <laughs> <laughs> that's always a good idea. We, my husband and I row together, um, three mm. times a week. Yeah. Core, um, all that core work, but also there's always a coach. 
We work, we yeah. run a group of anything from four to 12 people, depending on how many people show up that day. And she tells us what boats to get in and we get in whatever boats she tells us to get in, in the order. We don't choose. She tells us what order to get yeah. in because she exactly. knows that there's something that we need to work on. And in order to work on it, we need to be in Strokesy or in Bowsy or wherever the hell she wants us I to mean, be. Goodness and, for coaches, right? right? And yeah. then she says, put your wrist a little bit flatter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's honestly, right. Like when I think of what, what I do with my clients these days, um, like a lot of them are very established in business, right. They've run successful businesses or they've been successful in corporate and, and whatever. Right. So they have like good solid sort of baseline of like reputation and experience. And it's, it's fascinating to me. Like part of it is sort of like those tiny adjustments, Mm -hmm. but also a lot of it is like, can you, can you also allow yourself to be who you are? Right. I had like one person um, launching who has absolutely like hated every single part of like launching in the past. Right. And just avoided it. And she just had a close to half a million dollar launch simply because she allowed herself right to launch the way that she launches no sales page, no nothing. Just, you know, come hop on a have a conversation with me. Uh, those are my favorite stories because, right. It's, it's just, uh, yeah, um, it's, it's so, it's so liberating to realize, right. That there's there, that we're not broken, right. Yes. The fact that I have passive suicidal ideation doesn't mean that I am broken. Yeah. Right. The fact that I am a hardcore, I always say like, a plus personality. It's like, I don't even have an A personality. I like (laughs) plus personality, you know? Um, and, and that's okay. Yeah. Right. It's just like, can I, can I, this is funny, right? It's like the, can it's where the perfectionist still gets me. I always laugh about this, right? Like also when people are launching, it's like when people have anger issues, they get angry with themselves about being angry with, with a team member while they're launching. And when, uh, when they struggle with, uh, with anxiety, they wake up anxious because they're afraid they're going to be anxious that day during their their life pitch. Right. It's like the, so the perfectionism for me shows up in the sort of like the, can I be, um, can I, can I be perfect in, in not being, not aiming for too much perfection in my life? Right. Can I aim for a little bit more perfect balance, uh, sort of like shifting, shifting my, you know, what's actually important. Right. And yeah. what's actually worth pursuing with my relentless sort of dedication to like quality and getting it and understanding it the same way that you and I are sort of fascinated. Like let's learn everything about boundaries. Also my father who, who does, um, uh, he analyzes people, um, and, and, uh, like in a work environment, stuff yeah. like that. I won't go into it. He has a Dutch title anyway. So, yeah. but yeah. one of the things he always used to say, he would call it like neurotic choice of profession. <laughs> and that's like, that's so, so true though, right? People choosing to specialize in something that they struggle with. <laughs> it always makes me laugh. It's like, of course we're so studying the shit out of boundaries. Like, look at us, right? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And there's something that you said before about like uh, giving people permission to be themselves. I was just doing more research as nerds do and as perfectionists do on resilience. And one of the things that I came across in the research is that one of the things that makes you more resilient is being unique, is owning your uniqueness. And, And this is for two reasons. One, because you don't have to mask. So you save yourself energy. So you're not pretending. So you, so you, you save yourself energy. So that's one part of it. The other part of it is when you're unique, the people that like you really like you, 
more people like you. And because more people like you, you have access to more resources, which increases your resilience on on an external scale. Right. That's fascinating. Yeah. And, and makes sense too, right? Like, so sensical. Yeah. That makes total sense. I love it. Yeah. We covered a lot. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Like it, it, but it really matters. It's like, if, if that's going to increase your ability to survive basically. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Then own it. Like whatever the hell it is. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever the hell it is, whoever the hell you are, like be that person. We need you to be that person because we want to, you always know that person that you're willing to help because they've got that weird thing about them. You're like, oh, this friend called me. She needs this thing. And she does this, whatever. You know, she loves erotic novels and makes me laugh. So yeah, like, oh, I here always, we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it stands out, right? It stands out. If we yes. allow ourselves to be seen and, um, oh my gosh, I could talk about this forever, but this is also how you build a really beautiful brand, right? Yeah. In a very authentic way. Um, but yeah, we covered so much. We covered this so much. So fun. <laughs> is there something that you would like to offer as a closing? And, um, after that, let people know where they can find you, because I'm sure that there's a lot of people listening that are like, really, I needed her yesterday. Yeah. So, um, I don't know what I, what I tend to do when I'm on a podcast, if that's not okay to just like cut it out or something. Um, but what I always love to give is people, um, sort of like a year long access to my daily podcast that I have, they want to like tune into, right. So I'll just give you the link and the promo code and they normally it's close to 200 bucks, but they can opt in for free. if They listen to your podcast as a little gift. And also I have a a Facebook group. Uh, It's Meryl Creeksman dot com slash community and you can just uh, type that into and see like the little thing at the top of your screen and come and find me there find me and there too because I, I i lurk and i hang yeah most space. people lurk. i have i have a large uh secret audience that <laughs> reads everything but don't always comment it's very funny <laughs> um and then there's lots of people who do comment so i'm very grateful <laughs> it's like the signs of life no I'm just kidding but like you know whenever also for those of you who are interested in just learning more about you know what I teach what I do like we'll market anything that I'm up to like free workshops and master classes and stuff will always be in the Facebook group so www.merylcreeksman.com slash community and I will see you there the link as per usual my fried fam will be in the show notes and you know that my goal with every single episode is to <clears throat> have a moment of healing for you, that you felt seen, you felt heard, you felt validated, you felt understood in some way, shape, or form by something that Meryl said, and that you can take that moment of healing and make that one extra step in your burnout recovery journey. That is always the goal. So I cannot wait to hear what the moments were that sparked your healing today. We do all of that conversation in my Facebook group. That's Fried the Burnout Podcast Discussion Group. Everybody already knows where to find it, but all of the links to all of the things that you need to know will be in the show notes. Cheers to your healing and see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>